Section 10. The Critique of Pure Reason by Immanuel Kant. Transcendental Doctrine of Elements. Part 2nd. Transcendental Logic. First Division. Transcendental Analytic. Book 1. Analytic of Conceptions. Chapter 2. Of the Deduction of the Pure Conceptions of the Understanding. Section 2. Transcendental Deduction of the Pure Conceptions of the Understanding. Subsections 20 through 23. Recording by Jim Tiley in New Meadows, Idaho. Of the application of the categories to objects of the senses in general. SS 20. The pure conceptions of the understanding apply to objects of intuition in general, though the understanding alone, whether the intuition be our own or some other, provided only it be sensuous, but are, for this very reason, mere forms of thought, by means of which alone no determined object can be cognized. The synthesis or conjunction of the manifold in these conceptions relates, we have said, only to the unity of apperception, and is for this reason the ground of the possibility of a priori cognition, in so far as this cognition is dependent on the understanding. This synthesis is, therefore, not merely transcendental, but also purely intellectual. But because a certain form of sensuous intuition exists in the mind a priori, which rests on the receptivity of the, representa of the representative faculty, in parentheses, sensibility, in parentheses, the understanding, as a spontaneity, is able to, to determine the internal sense by means of the diversity of given representations, conformably to the synthetical unity of apperception, and thus to cogitate the synthetical unity of the apperception of the manifold of sensuous intuition a priori, as the condition to which must necessarily be submitted all objects of human intuition. And in this manner the categories, as mere forms of thought, receive objective reality, that is, applications to objects which are given to us in intuition, but that only as phenomena for it is only of phenomena that we are capable of a priori intuition. This synthesis of the manifold of sensuous intuition, which is possible and necessary a priori, may be called figurative, in parentheses, synthesis speciosa. In, parentheses. in contradistinction to that which is cogitated 
in the mere category in regard to the manifold of an intuition in general and is called connection or conjunction of the understanding in parentheses synthesis intellectualis in parentheses both are transcendental not merely because they themselves precede a priori all experience but also because they form the basis for the possibility of other cognition a priori but the figurative synthesis when it has relation only to the originally synthetical unity of apperception that is to the transcendental unity cogitated in the categories must to be distinguished from the purely intellectual conjunction be entitled the transcendental synthesis of imagination imagination is the faculty of representing an object even without its presence in intuition now as all our intuition is sensuous imagination by reason of the subjective condition under which alone it can give a corresponding intuition to the conceptions of the understanding belongs to sensibility but in so far as the as the synthesis of the imagination is an act of spontaneity which is determinative and not like sense merely determinable and which is consequently able to determine sense a priori according to its form conform conformably to the unity of apperception in so far is the imagination a faculty of determining sensibility a priori and its synthesis of intuitions according to the categories must be the transcendental synthesis of the imagination it is an operation of the understanding on sensibility and the first application of the understanding to objects of possible intuition and at the same time the basis for the exercise of the other functions of that faculty as figurative it is distinguished from the merely intellectual synthesis which is provided by the understanding alone without the aid of imagination now in so far as ima as imagination is spontaneity i sometimes call it also the productive imagination and distinguish it from the reproductive the synthesis of which is subject entirely to empirical laws those of association namely and which therefore contributes nothing to the explanation of the possibility of a priori cognition and for this reason belongs not to transcendental philosophy but to psychology we have now arrived at the proper place for explaining the paradox which must have struck every one in our exposition of the internal sense in parentheses ss6 
end parentheses. Namely, how this sense represents us to our own consciousness, only as we appear to ourselves, not as we are in ourselves, because, to wit, we intuite ourselves only as we are inwardly affected. Now this appears to be contradictory, inasmuch as we thus stand in a passive relation to ourselves, and therefore in the systems of psychology the internal sense is commonly held to be one with the faculty of apperception, while we, on the contrary, carefully distinguish them. That which determines the internal sense is the understanding, and its original power of conjoining the manifold of intuition, that is, of bringing this under an apperception, begin parentheses, upon which rests the possibility of the understanding itself, end parentheses. Now, as the human understanding is not in itself a faculty of intuition and is unable to exercise such a power in order to conjoin, as it were, the manifold of its own intuition, the synthesis of understanding is, considered per se, nothing but the unity of action, of which, as such, it is self-conscious, even apart from sensibility, by which, moreover, it is able to determine our internal sense in respect of the manifold which may be presented to it according to the form of sensuous intuition. Thus, under the name of a transcendental synthesis of imagination, the understanding exercises an activity upon the passive subject, whose faculty it is, and so we are right in saying that the internal sense is affected thereby. Apperception and its synthetical unity are by no means one and the same with the internal sense. The former, as the source of all of our synthetical conjunction, applies under the name of the categories to the manifold of intuition in general, prior to all sensuous intu intuition of objects. The internal sense, on the contrary, contains merely the form of intuition, but without any synthetical conjunction of the manifold therein, and consequently does not contain any determined intuition, which is possible only through consciousness of the determination of the manifold by the transcendental act of the imagination, in parentheses, synthetical influence of the understanding on the internal sense, and parentheses, which I have named figurative synthesis. This we can, we can indeed always perceive in ourselves. We cannot cogitate a geometrical line without drawing it in thought, nor a circle without describing it, nor represent the three dimensions of space 
without drawing three lines from the same point perpendicular to one another. We cannot even cogitate time unless in drawing a straight line in parentheses which is to serve as the external figurative representation of time and parentheses we fix our attention on the act of the synthesis of the manifold whereby we determine successively the internal sense and thus attend also to the succession of this determination motion as an act of the subject in parentheses not as a determination of an object in parentheses footnote 22 begin footnote 22 motion of an object in space does not belong to a pure science consequently not to geometry because that because that a thing is movable cannot be known a priori but only from experience but motion considered as the description of a space is a pure act of the successive synthesis of the manifold in external intuition by means of productive imagination and belongs not only to geometry but even to transcendental philosophy and footnote 22 consequently the synthesis of the manifold in space if we make abstraction of space and attend merely to the act by which we determine the internal sense according to its form is that which produces the conception of succession the understanding therefore does by no means find in the internal sense any such any such synthesis, synthesis of the manifold but produces it in that it affects this sense at the same time how quote i who think end quote is distinct from the quote i end quote which intuits itself begin parentheses other modes of intuition being cogitable as at least possible and parentheses and yet one and the same with this latter as the same subject how therefore i am able to say quote i as an intelligence and thinking subject cognize myself as an object thought so far as I am moreover given to myself in intuition only like other phenomena not as I am in myself and as considered by the understanding but merely as I appear end quote is a question that has in it neither more nor less difficulty than the question quote, how can I be an object to myself end quote or this quote, how I can be an object of my own intuition and internal perceptions end quote
but that such must be the fact if we admit that space is merely a pure form of the phenomena of external sense can be clearly proved by the consideration that we cannot represent time which is not an object of external intuition in any other way than under the image of a line which we draw in thought a mode of representation without which we could not cognize the unity of its dimension and also that we are necessitated to take our determination of periods of time or of points of time for all our internal perceptions from the changes which we perceive in outward things. It follows that we must arrange the, the determinations of the internal sense as phenomena in time exactly in the same manner as we arrange those of the external senses in space. And consequently, if we grant, respecting this latter, that by means of them we know objects only insofar as we are affected externally, we must also confess, with regard to the internal sense, that by means of it, we intuite ourselves only as we are internally affected by ourselves. In other words, as regards internal intuition, we cognize our own subject only as phenomenon and not as in itself. Footnote 23. Begin footnote 23. I do not see why so much difficulty should be found in admitting that our internal sense is affected by ourselves. Every act of attention exemplifies it. In such an act, the understanding determines the internal sense by the synthetical conjunction which it cogitates, conform conformably to the internal intuition which corresponds to the manifold in the synthesis of the understanding. How much the mind is usually affected thereby, everyone will be able to perceive in himself. SS 21 On the other hand, in the transcendental synthesis of the manifold content of representations, consequently in the synthetical unity of apperception, I am conscious of myself not as I appear to myself, nor as I am in myself, but only that, quote, I am, end quote. This representation is a thought, not an intuition. Now, as in order to cognize ourselves, in addition to the act of thinking, which subjects the manifold of every possible intuition, to the unity of apperception, there is necessary a determinate mode of intuition, whereby this manifold is given. Although my own existence is certainly not mere phenomenon, begin parentheses, much less mere illusion, 
end parentheses, the determination of my existence, footnote 24, begin footnote 24, the, quote, I think, end quote, expresses the act of determining my own existence. My existence is thus already given by the act of consciousness, but the mode in which I must determine my existence, that is, the mode in which I must place the manifold belonging to my existence, is not thereby given. For this purpose, intuition of self is required, and this intuition possesses a form given a priori, namely, time, which is sensuous and belongs to our receptivity of the determinable. Now, as I do not possess another intuition of self, which gives the determination, which, which gives the determining in me, begin parentheses, of the spontaneity of which I am conscious, end parentheses, prior to the act of determination, in the same manner as time gives the, deter the determinable, it is clear that I am unable to determine my own existence as that of a spontaneous being, but I am only able to represent to myself the spontaneity of my thought, that is, of my determination, and my existence remains ever determinable in a purely sensuous manner, that is to say, like the existence of a phenomenon. But it is because of this spontaneity that I call myself an intelligence. End footnote 24. Can only take place conform conformably to the form of the internal sense, according to the particular mode in which the manifold which I conjoin is given in internal intuition and I have therefore no knowledge of myself as I am, but merely as I appear to myself. The consciousness of self is thus very far from a knowledge of self, in which I do, in which I do not use the categories, whereby I cogitate an object by means of the conjunction of the manifold in one apperception, in the same way as I require, for the sake of the cognition of an object distinct from myself, not only the thought of an object in general, begin parentheses, in the category, and parentheses, but also an intuition by which to determine that general conception, in the same way do I require, in order to the cognition of myself, not only the consciousness of myself, or the thought that I think myself, but in addition an intuition of the manifold in myself, by which to determine this thought. It is true that I exist as an intelligence which is conscious only of its faculty of conjunction or synthesis but subjected in relation 
to the manifold which this intelligence has to conjoin to a limitate to a limitive conjunction called the internal sense my intelligence in parentheses that is i in parentheses can render that conjunction or synthesis perceptible perceptible only according to the relations of time which are quite beyond the proper sphere of the conceptions of the understanding and consequently cognize itself in respect to an intuition begin parentheses which cannot possibly be intellectual nor given by the understanding and parentheses only as it appears to itself and not as it would cognize itself if its intuition were intellectual transcendental deduction of the universally possible employment and experience of the pure conceptions of the understanding ss22 in the metaphysical deduction the a priori origin of categories was proved by their complete accordance with the general logic logical of thought in the transcendental deduction was exhibited by the possibility of the categories as a priori cognitions of objects of an intuition in general in parentheses ss 16 and 17 and parentheses at present we are about to explain the possibility of cognizing a priori by means of the categories all objects which can possibly pre be presented to our senses not indeed according to the form of their intuition but according to the laws of their conjunction or synthesis and thus as it were of prescribing laws to nature and even of rendering nature possible for if the categories were inadequate to this task it would not be evident to us why everything that is presented to our senses must be subject to those laws which have an, which have an a priori origin in the understanding itself i premise that by the term synthesis of apprehension i understand the combination of the manifold in an empirical intuition whereby perception that is empirical consciousness of the intuition begin parentheses as phenomenon and parentheses is possible we have a priori forms of the external and internal sensuous intuition in the representations of space and time and to these must the, must the synthesis of apprehension of the manifold in a phenomenon be always conformable, because the synthesis itself can only take place according to these forms. But space and time are not merely forms of sensuous intuition, but intuitions themselves, 
begin parentheses, which contain a manifold, end parentheses, and therefore contain a priori the determination of the unity of this manifold. Footnote 25, begin footnote. Space, represent, space represented as an object, begin parentheses, as geometry really requires it to be, end parentheses, contains more than the mere form of the intuition, namely a combination of the manifold given according to the form of sensibility into a representation that can be intuited so that the form of the intuition gives us merely the manifold, but the formal intuition gives unity of representation. In the aesthetic, I regarded this unity as belonging entirely to sensibility for the purpose of indicating that it antecedes all conceptions, although it presupposes a synthesis which does not belong to sense through which alone, however, all our conceptions of space and time are possible. For as by means of this unity alone, begin parentheses, the understanding determining the sensibility, and parentheses, space and time are given as intuitions. It follows that the unity of this intuition a priori belongs to space and time, and not to the conception of the understanding, in parentheses, SS20, and parentheses. When, then, for example, I make the empirical intuition of a house by apprehension of the manifold contained therein into a perception, the necessary unity of space and of my external sensuous intuition lies at the foundation of this act, and I, as it were, draw the form of the house conformably to the synthetical unity of the manifold in space. But this very synthetical unity remains, even when I abstract the form of the form of space, and has its seat in the understanding, and is, in fact, the category of the synthesis of the homogeneous in an intuition, that is to say, the category of quantity to which the aforesaid synthesis of apprehension, that is, the perception, must be completely comfortable. Footnote 26. Begin footnote. In this manner it is proved that the synthesis of apprehension, which is empirical, must necessarily be conformable to the synthesis of apperception, which is intellectual, and contained a priori in the category. It is one and the same spontaneity which all at one time, under the name of imagination, at another under that of understanding, produces conjunction in the manifold of intuition. End footnote. 
To take another example, when I perceive the freezing of water, I apprehend two states, begin parentheses, fluidity and solidity, end parentheses, which, as such, stand toward each other mutually in a relation of time, but in the time which I place as an internal intuition at the foundation of this phenomenon, I represent to myself synthetical unity of the manifold, without which the aforesaid relation could not be given in an intuition as determined begin parentheses in regard to the succession of time and parentheses. Now this synthetical unity as the a priori condition under which I conjoin the manifold of an intuition is, if I make abs abstraction of the permanent form of my internal intuition, begin parentheses, that is to say, of time, end parentheses, the category of cause by means of which, when applied to my sensibility, I determine everything that occurs according to relations of time. Consequently, apprehension in such an event, and the event itself, as far as regards the, possi the possibility of its perception, stands under the conception of the relation of cause and effect, and so in all other cases. Categories are conceptions which prescribe laws a priori to phenomena, consequently to nature as the complex of all phenomena, begin parentheses, natura materia litera ter spectata, end parentheses. And now the question arises, inasmuch as these categories are not derived from nature and do not regulate themselves according to her as their model, begin parentheses, for in that case they would be empirical, end parentheses, how it is conceivable that nature must regulate herself according to them. In other words, how the categories can determine a priori the synthesis of the manifold of nature, and yet not derive their origin from her. The following is the solution of this enigma. It is not in the least more difficult to conceive how the laws of the phenomena of nature must harmonize with the understanding and with its a priori form, that is, its faculty of conjoining the manifold, than it is to understand how the phenomena themselves must correspond with the a priori form of our sensuous intuition. For laws do not exist in the phenomena any more than the phenomena exist as things in themselves. Laws do not exist except by relation to the subject in which the phenomena inhere. In so far as it possesses understanding,
just as phenomena have no existence except by relation to the same existing subject in so far as it has senses. To things as things in themselves, conform conformability to law must necessarily belong independently of an understanding to cognize them. But phenomena are only representations of things which are utterly unknown in respect to what they are in themselves. But as mere representations, they stand under no law of conjunction except that which the conjoining faculty prescribes. Now that which conjoins the manifold of sensuous intuition is imagination, a mental act to which understanding contributes unity of intellectual synthesis and sensibility, manifoldness of apprehension. Now, as all possible perception depends on the synthesis of apprehension, and this empirical synthesis itself on the transcendental, consequently on the categories, it is evident that all possible perceptions, and therefore everything that can attain to empirical consciousness, that is, all phenomena of nature, must as regards their conjunction be subject to the categories, and nature, begin parentheses, considered merely as nature in general, in parentheses, is dependent on them. As the original ground of her, necessi of her, ne of her necessary conform conformability to law, begin parentheses, as natura formulatir spectata, in parentheses, but the pure faculty, begin parentheses, of the understanding, and parentheses, of prescribing laws a priori to phenomena by means of mere categories, is not competent to enounce other or more laws than those on which a nature in general, as a, conform as a conformability to law of phenomena of space and time, depends. Particular laws, inasmuch as they concern empirically determined phenomena, cannot be entirely deduced from pure laws, although they all stand under them. Experience must be superadded in order to know these particular laws, but in regard to experience in general, and everything that can be cognized as an object thereof, these a priori laws are our only rule and guide. Result of this deduction of the conceptions of the understanding. SS 23 We cannot think any object except by means of the categories. We cannot cognize any thought except by means of intuitions corresponding to these conceptions. Now all our intuitions are sensuous, and our cognition, in so far as the object of it is given, 
is empirical, but empirical cognition is experience. Consequently, no a, a priori cognition is possible for us, except of objects of possible experience. Footnote 27. Begin footnote. Lest my readers should stumble at this assertion, and the conclusions that may be too rashly drawn from it, I must remind them that the categories in the, in the act of thought are by no means limited by the conditions of our sensuous intuition, but have an unbounded sphere of action. It is only the cognition of the object of thought, the determining of the object, which requires intuition. In the absence of intu in the absence of intuition, our thought of an object may still have true and useful consequences in regard to the exercise of reason by the subject. But as this exercise of reason is not always directed on the determination of the object, in other words, on cognition thereof, but also on the determination of the subject and its volition, I do not intend to treat of it in this place. End footnote. But this cognition, which is limited to objects of experience, is not for that reason derived entirely from experience, but, as this is asserted of the pure intuitions, and the pure conceptions of the understanding, there are, unquestionably, elements of cognition which exist in the mind a priori. Now there are only two ways in which a necessary harmony of experience with the conceptions of its objects can be cogitated. Either experience makes these conceptions possible, or the conceptions make, make experience possible. The former of these statements will not bold good with respect to the categories, begin parentheses, nor in regard to pure sensuous intuition, end parentheses, for they are a priori conceptions and therefore independent of experience. The assertion of an empirical origin would attribute them a sort of generatio equivoca. Consequently, nothing remains but to adopt the second alternative, begin parentheses, which presents us with a system, as it were, of the epigenesis of pure reason, end parentheses namely, that on the part of the understanding the categories do contain the grounds of the possibility of all experience, but with respect to the questions how they make experience possible, and what are the principles of the possibility thereof with which they present us in their application to phenomena, the following section on the transcendental exercise of the faculty of judgment will inform the reader. It is quite possible that someone may propose a species 
of preformation system of pure reason a middle way between the two to wit that the categories are neither innate and first a priori principles of cognition nor derived from experience but are merely subjective aptitudes for thought implanted in us contemporaneously with our experience which were so ordered and and disposed by our creator that their exercise perfectly harmonizes with the laws of nature which regulate experience now not to mention that with such an hypothesis it is possible to say at what point we must stop in the employment of predetermined aptitudes the fact that the categories would in this case entirely lose that character of necessity which is essentially involved in the very conception of them is a is a conclusive objection to it the conception of cause for example which expresses the necessity of an effect under a presupposed condition would be false if it rested only upon such an arbitrary subjective necessity of uniting certain empirical representations according to such a rule of relation i could not then say quote, the effect is connected with its cause in the object begin parentheses that is necessarily and parentheses end quote but only quote i am so constituted that i think this representation as so connected and not otherwise end quote now this is just what the septic wants for in this case all our knowledge depending on the supposed objective validity of our judgment is nothing more but mere illusion nor would there be wanting people who would deny any such subjective necessity in respect to themselves though they must feel it at all events we could not dispute with anyone on that which merely depends on the manner in which his subject is organized short view of the above deduction the foregoing deduction is an exposition of the pure conceptions of the understanding begin parentheses and with them of all theoretical a priori cognition and parentheses as principles of the possibility of experience but of experience as the determination of all phenomena in space and time in general of experience finally from the principle of the original synthetical unity of apperception as the form of the understanding in relation to sp to time and space as original forms of sensibility i consider the division by paragraphs to be necessary only up to this point because we had to treat of the elementary conceptions 
as we now proceed to the exposition of the employment of these, I shall not designate the chapters in this manner any further. End of chapter 2, book 2, subsections, subsections 21 through 23.